the Baseball 365 Podcast, and here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 176 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes. Thank you for taking some time out of your week to spend with us. Follow me on Twitter. I'm at JustinHughes365. Follow Andrew. He's at AMCQ82 and the Baseball Official Podcast. Uh, that is not said right. The podcast official Twitter is at Baseball365Pod. It is part three of the outfield preview. Andrew and I on episodes 174 and 175, we touched on the outfielders. On 174, we touched on outfielders 1 through 28 in the NFBC rankings. And then on the last episode, 175, we did 29 through 55. And now we're getting ready to touch on all the rest of the outfielders after 55th overall. So a lot of outfield threes and fours, and or I'm sorry, fours and fives. And along with that, a bunch of guys that were taken in the reserve rounds of regular drafts or draft and holds. So hold on, buckle up. We got another hour and 20 minutes or so of outfield talk to go for you here. Hope you guys enjoy. All right, next grouping, 56 through 62, we got Luis Rengifo. He's outfield or a bunch of positions. We touched on him during the second base out, out uh, episode. He's at 244 overall. Jack Sawinski is at 251 with the Pirates. Jung-Hoo Lee um, with the Giants at 255. Gavin Lux we talked about on the second base pod. Whit Merrifield on the second base pod. Leody Tavares at 267 and Max Kepler at 277. Uh, Sawinski, is he great value, Kyle Schwarber, or maybe should I say like the Pittsburgh Pirates version of Kyle Schwarber? A little different, I think, but yeah, just he'll he'll get you more steals. But yeah, it's it's not a bad comp. I mean, he's a three true outcome guy pretty much, and he's going to hurt you in batting average. So just be aware of that. But he hits everything hard. I like Swinsky. I like the cost. I've drafted him. Um, 26 homers, 13 steals last year. And he's going he's gonna to play, you know. So one of those that strikes out a lot, walks a lot, and going to hit bombs. So if that's what you're looking for in this spot of the draft, yeah, I think he's I think he's fine. I don't mind him. I was really surprised when I saw he stole 13 bases last year. That one really jumped out at me. Yeah. Um, do you have any thoughts on Lee, uh, Jung-Hoo Lee? We, when I look at his KBO production, I wonder if this guy's like an empty batting average player. Lefty in San Francisco doesn't help the power, which already doesn't seem like a certainty with him. I don't think I'm really in on this guy. Are you any interest on your end? I haven't, uh, I haven't drafted him yet. Um, I will say, though, that Last year, at pretty much this exact time, I kind of thought this about Yoshida. Mm -hmm. And they're essentially, like, their tools are essentially the exact same, other than speed, which Lee has more of. So if he's Yoshida, or even close to that, I mean, it's, it's a great pick here. Um 
I think it's solid floor. Like I, I, I think this is a, another one where he, you know, he could lead off. They're acting like he's going to lead off, and it, I get it. It like doesn't jump off the page. Totally get that. Doesn't have a ton of power. Doesn't have a ton of speed. I think he's a pretty good hitter. Probably likely to hit for a decent batting average. And if if he gets close to that, you know, Yoshida was fifteen and eight. It's it's a value here. I mean, it's we're at the fifty eighth pick. I mean, this or fifty eighth outfielder. All he really has to do is lead off all season, and he's going to be a value at fifty eight. Unless he just is like four home runs or something, you know, just terrible. But I don't think he's that either. So, yeah, it. I haven't clicked on him. I haven't drafted him. Haven't given him tons of thought in this area of the draft, but. I could also just easily see him voluming his way to a value. Like if he's leading off for the majority of the year, he's probably very likely to be better than the 58th best outfielder at the end of the year. Man, a ground ball rate in the high 50s every year in the KBO. It, it doesn't help that he's playing in San Francisco too. That does not help yeah. his left-handed power also, but... Yeah, you bring up yeah. some good points. If he uh, if he's even remotely close to like doing what Yoshida did, yeah, yeah. Some of these guys, they just they like boring volume their way to value. You know, it's it's kind of like Brandon Nimmo, really. Yep. I mean, like where they just they just hit high in the order because they get on base, and it's like yeah, the power and speed doesn't jump off the page. And those guys aren't always my guys, but just from a pure value standpoint, sometimes you look up at the end of the year and it's like, man, I mean if if he was like the 38th best outfielder or something, I mean, I wouldn't be that surprised, you know? So it's it's kind of the range of the draft. You just have to think about some of that. I found myself being more boring with my fourth, fifth outfielders in a lot of drafts this year so far. I've definitely found myself going that way. Uh, Leo Di Tavares, we discussed him in the Steamer Over Under episode. We were both skeptical he'd get the playing time to reach the steamer projections of a 258 batting average with 15 homers and 15 steals in 528 plate appearances. Are you still feeling that way? Yeah, I would, I would still under it. Um, I'm not a fan of Leody, but the one thing that I'll say, or at least I don't remember exactly how I said it on that podcast, but I do think that his good defense in center could save him for this season. Um, but I also think he's their fourth best outfielder. So however you want to treat that, you know, like you've got a Dallas, Evan Carter, Langford, Leody. I think Leody's easily fourth of four, but there's also a DH slot and he plays good defense in center. So you can kind of see how he would continue to start in center and, you know, maybe they're rotating DH and with those other guys in the lineup. So I don't necessarily feel like he's going to lose PT, but um, a lot of that has to do with the fact that they could DH because, or, you know, any of the other guys, because if they couldn't, I mean, he probably would. Yeah, he does have that going for him. I listed off the guys that I, I said were, you know, could be up there to take playing time from Langford. And those are the guys that could take it from him too. And it's not a great list right now, unless they go out there and try, 
trade for somebody or add somebody at the end of the spring training. Like if they added JD Martinez, all bets are off. I think he, yeah. that could be the type of deal that knocks him out. But yeah, that's um, a good, that's a good, really good point. I mean, if Leody's not hitting, it also could just get to the point where it's like, well, this defense isn't that much better. I mean, Evan Carter's athletic enough to do it. You know what I mean? So yeah, he, he's probably going to have to hit. I, I don't know. I, I, we've talked about Leody a ton in private, like just back and forth because, because of the Lankford and the Evan Carter on the way up. Mm-hmm. And obviously Adalis is like locked in. So, but yeah, I, with Leody, it's, it's tough, man. It, he's walking kind of a fine line because of how good the team is. And yeah, I, I do think he's a good defender, but I don't think he's a great hitter. And these other guys are great hitters or at least really good hitters. So I just wonder about it is all I, I think he could be stuck in limbo or even get in a bad scenario, like just get sent down Mm -hmm. because he's just not good enough on a team that's that good, you know? Yep. Dustin Harris is on his, like really close to making his way to the bigs. He's an infielder, but um, Justin Foscue, you know, the players could get moved around. And next thing you know, I'm trying to think, is there anybody in their infield that could end up out there? No, not really. So maybe Foscue is not a worry, but you know, Dustin Harris could work his way up, and if he's hitting real well, because I think he ended the year in AAA or is going to start the year in AAA, so there there are avenues for him to find his way on the bench. Um, Max Kepler, he had his best season since hitting 36 homers in 2019. Looking at his homer total since, he's been okay in all but one, but the shortened 2020 season made his power production look worse than it really has been over the last few years. I think Kepler looks like a floor pick here with a 240 batting at 240-ish batting average, a home run total around 20. It's another one of those just boring guys right here. Real, much to add to that? Yeah, not really. Um, I mean, he, he really hit the ball well last year. Upped his barrel rate, highest of his career, 12%. Um, always around 10% walk. So good there. And... Yeah, strikeouts jumped a little bit, but overall, I think Kepler's probably one of those guys that's overlooked, has flaws, but I can see him returning value, definitely. All right, let's go on to the next group then. We got sixty outfielders 63 through 70. We got Brian De La Cruz with Miami at 278. Brendan Donovan, who we talked about on the second base pod. Parker Meadows, rookie kid with uh, Detroit at 281. Jose Siri at 285, Chris Bryant at 286, MJ Melendez at 289, Sal Frelick at 289, and Jeff McNeil, who's second base outfield eligible, at 290. Uh, I want to tell the Jose Siri story. I don't remember if I've ever said this on the pod, but in 2019, I was down at a company meeting, which is near Chattanooga, which is where the Cincinnati Reds AA team plays. And Jose Siri came up to bat and there were a couple guys that I was sitting with that I work with that they don't know who any of these guys on the field were. Might I, might I add that same game I got a Jazz Chisholm signed ball because they were facing the Arizona Diamondbacks double A team. But um, Siri came up to the plate and I remember saying because I had him in the Dynasty League so I was very familiar with him and I was like this guy here he's got a ton of power and speed but he's kind of a knucklehead kind of a hothead and 
So literally that at bat, he struck out and just grabbed his bat and started beating it into the ground on the way back to the dugout. <laughs> the guy just kind of looked at me as like, you weren't kidding, were you? <laughs> I remember you telling that. At least you told me that story. I remember that. But yeah, that's funny. So who sticks out to you on this list to grab as an outfielder four or five? Uh, ironically, I would take Jose Siri off this list. <laughs> okay. Yeah. What is it? About? Yeah, I, yeah, it's um, it's really just the category juice. Like I, you know, we get to this range of the draft, and we're drafting, especially in a draft and hold, a lot of outfielders. Um, and you know, I think he's locked in everyday playing time. He's a great center fielder. Um, and his issues are definitely scary, like long term. In terms of, you know, he just swings and misses a lot, strikes out a lot, doesn't walk. Um, there's issues there for sure. But it's kind of like the loud, you know, the loud power and speed like I was talking about, about with uh, Morel. You know, I, I just don't think – I think that guys like Jose Siri, you have to kind of evaluate it year to year. And I don't think this year it's going to affect him. Like it could long term, of course, but – yeah, I, you know, he could go twenty twenty, and you're getting him close to pick three hundred. I mean, the projections pretty much have him there, close to it. You know, I just think it's, yeah, like there's just not a lot of those guys when you get to this range of the draft. And I would rather take that than you know, like if you're looking for a floor pick here, I, I don't think, um, I don't know, I'd probably go like Sal Frelick just because I think that Milwaukee will give him all the opportunity in the world. But I don't see the same kind of category juice as I do with Siri, you know. So he'll help in batting average. They're, they're different players. Obviously, all these guys are a little bit different. But, um, yeah, it kind of just depends on how you want to construct it. Like usually, like I said, when I'm getting into this part of the draft, I'm I'm trying to find guys that can really pay off, like really hit. You know, if I can get a 2020 guy – at close to pick 300 to me that's that's worth it like i'd rather do that than just take a guy that i know is going to be like 15 to 18 and five steals or something you know and if you take enough shots on those all you got to hit on is one or two if you got your other your other you know base outfield like guys you took in the top 150 so yeah i'm going siri out of this group but who you uh I know you want to rant about or go on about Melendez a little bit, maybe. I love Melendez. I know I've talked about him a few times. 93.2 mile per hour average exit velocity. Good barrel rate. Kaufman is going to suppress that home run total. and But I have already bet the over on 23. I mean, he feels a lot to me like a Kyle Schwarber type player. I've used that comp. I don't think it's going to be a high batting average guy, but... Man, I wish he played somewhere but Kaufman. I think that really does hurt him. But I keep closing my eyes and thinking, I'm like, it wouldn't shock me if he just went out there and had this 30 home run season this year. I just, I don't, I'm not saying I'm even projecting that, but I just think it's possible. And maybe I'm wrong. I mean, he's hit 18 homers last year and 16 this year. Or I'm sorry, in 2022 in 130 games, he hit 16 only in 148. But I don't know. I'm just, it would shock me if he's hitting maybe a high 20s. Maybe I should be saying that. 
Um, do you think? Do you think there's any chance that he gets catcher eligibility back ever? It's possible, but the, I mean, they've got a couple guys already in that organization. I'm gonna guess no. Like, I, but yeah. if you're saying any chance, yes, I would say there's a chance there would be. Yeah. Yeah, man, that would be so huge for him. Like huge. Yes, you know? it would. Parker Meadows. But man, um, that's a guy I haven't paid I was, much. I was just to. gonna. Oh, I was got, just gonna say I. Yeah, I was just going to say I struggle a little bit with these guys that go from catcher to outfield. I feel like I've felt that way with Varsho too. Um, I don't disagree with any of your points on Melendez. I just, I just wonder how much it really plays in the outfield. Yes. Unless he does get to like the thirty home run. I mean, obviously, if he gets to thirty home runs, that's going to play. But yeah, I just, I just wonder about it as well. No, I think it's a fair thing. I actually was completely off of him and Varsho because I thought they were going to both lose it. And then I looked into the hard the data for Melendez. I'm like, huh, there might be something here that I didn't realize. Yeah. Parker Meadows. I haven't really, I have, honestly, he's one that's kind of slid under the radar for me. But, I mean, the guy hit 22 homers and 27 steals in like 150 games last year. And now he's looks like he's going to have that starting job. You know, he's another one of those that could be like a 15-15 type guy. I think he's interesting, too. Like, are you a fan of Meadows as a prospect? and uh, Or is this, again, unfortunately, it's another one of those Texas Rangers who, oh, I'm sorry, Detroit, Detroit Tigers, Tigers who yeah. happen to play in Comerica in that terrible right field park? Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of like not really sure what to make of Meadows. I think I need to see a year just to know what I'm getting. I Obviously, he's a prospect. He's a pretty good prospect, not an elite one. Um, his defense is great. So he's, he's like the safest part with him is just knowing like he's very likely to start in center because of how great his defense is. And he's pretty much nothing left to prove in the minors type of guy, but just offensively, I don't, I don't really know what to expect here. Um, like you said, the, the park saps everything mm-hmm. power wise, um, and like they've got him penciled in at leadoff, which looks good. If that were to stick all year, that that's good in this range. But I don't think that that's anywhere near a lock. I mean, he could hit at the bottom of the order too, you yep. know. So don't really know like what I'm getting here with anything. Um, I do think he'll run a little bit when he's on base, and I think he'll play because of his defense. But aside from that, like offensively, I just have no idea what to truly expect. So it's hard for me to peg. Yeah. I, I, I think I might be kind of interested in him trying to get one of those double digit Homer power. Or again, this is one of those flyer picks late. I think I'm, I think I might be more interested in him going forward. Uh, Chris Bryant, his ADP keeps dropping year after year. Does it drop again next year? God. Oh, how many, I mean, I guess the answer is how many games is he going to play? Cause that's, that's the big, uh, I mean, 122 games played in the last two seasons. And, you know, like with Bryant, if I thought he still had this like huge ceiling when healthy, I think it would be okay to go for it. I'd, I'd potentially bite here. I just don't really think that, but 
the biggest check in his corner is that when he's healthy, he will play. I can comfortably say yes. that. And so it really, again, I don't mean to sound like a broken record, but as the 67th outfielder off the board, if he stays healthy, he's going to be a value here because he'll just volume his way to that, you know, the production. But that's obviously the massive question mark because he can't stay healthy lately. Now he's 32. I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like he could play 30 games or 130, and that's probably where the value is going to be. So it's like impo- it, it's one of those things with him for me. It's just impossible to predict. I have no idea. The, the one thing I know is when he's healthy, he'll play. Other than that, I have no idea. Yeah, I don't even know if the production's there if he's playing anymore. I mean, dude played 80 games last year and still only had two, 10 homers, 36 runs, 31 RBI, zero steals. So I'm not even certain if he's – I mean, he'll play. That part I completely agree with. I mean, they're going to play him. But, man, just everything in the data is looking terrible. Ever since he joined Colorado, you know, exit velocity is 85 in the 85s on both. He's had 23 barrels in, in the – what is it? Um, How many events? Like almost like 370 events. Like It's just all bad. It's all been bad. I don't, yeah, I don't think it's worth the risk because I just don't know what the upside is anymore, even if he plays. Yeah. All right. Yeah, totally fair. I'm pretty much with you. Uh, 71 through 80. Try to move a little faster I, as we're getting here into the, now we're getting closer to the reserve rounds. We got Nelson Velazquez with the Royals at 290. Tommy Pham is a free agent at 298. Will Benson at 302. Brent Rooker's 306. Willie Castro, we talked about him on the third base pod. Alex Verdugo's 307. Austin Hayes, 313. Matt Walner, 313. Giancarlo Stanton, all the way down here at 317. That just that's kind of surprising to see over the after the last few years. But then again, I guess if you look at the production, maybe not. And then Jake Fraley at 321. Let's start with the one I know you like, and you got me plugged in on him too, and that's Matt Walner. Why do you like him? Uh, a lot of power and right side of the platoon. I do think he's a platoon bat. I He doesn't hit lefties at all. Um, I think he'll only pretty much play against righties. But everything in the hard hit metrics are strong. Um, barrel rate, hard hit rate. He walks, so that's good. Uh, Max EV is good, top 3% of the league. So got to like that. I definitely, I definitely like Walner here. Um, just a good, like when you get this late and you can get guys with that much power, I just think you have to be interested. It, it could go south. Like, you know, he could strike out too much and just, you know, he 31, as good as he was, and he, he was pretty good. 31% strikeout rate last year. And he's 25. Hasn't really got his feet wet in the majors too much i mean other than last season you know it's not like he's ingrained 94 career games so but yeah i think he's good uh good kind of flyer here as like a fifth outfielder um just as a power guy that you know in the best case scenario he could, he could hit 30 plus bombs i think yeah even if he's sitting versus lefties i think it's possible yeah yeah dude hits the ball hard that's all i really wrote for him yeah for sure 
Um, I'll just touch on some guys. I, you know, just some thoughts moving around these guys, and I'll let you follow Nelson Velasquez. I think he's kind of interesting. Loud contact, like Walner. Thing he doesn't have going for him that Nelson, uh, that Walner does, is that he doesn't walk like Walner does. Fam, he had a great 2023 season: 256, 16 homers, 22 steals in 130 games last year, 129. He's not getting as big of a bump from that production from as last year as I've expected. And if you use the auction calculator by his steamer projections, it's a doable 18 homers and 16 steals in 129 games. 55th outfielder here. He's the, the uh, when you look at the calculator and here he's the 72nd outfielder being taken. I've grabbed quite a few redraft shares. I think that's a guy I've been grabbing a lot late. Uh, it has been a good guy. Uh, Rooker world beater in April last year, hit 353 with nine homers in 22 games and was just met until the beginning of August, and he hit 240 with 13 homers in the last two months, of the end, but in between, not great. Had a lot of hard-hit balls, but I'd, I think he's kind of comparable to Velasquez there. Uh, for Dugo's Vanilla, if you've got a lot of power and speed and need a batting average boost, that's a 270-280 hitter. Might even come into a few extra homers as a lefty in Yankee Stadium. And then Austin Hayes, he feels like an Alex Verdugo with a little less batting average. You know, I didn't realize how much the changing of that um, wall in left field in Baltimore hurt him. Guy had 22 homers in 21, 2021 and 16 each of the last two seasons. And he's pretty much the same guy. So that ballpark has suppressed some of his power. So that's just me shooting through a few of the guys here. Do you have anything you want to add on him? Yeah, I think I like... Uh... I'm, I'm with you, like with Velasquez. He should play, has power. Um, Semi-interesting here, I think, although the context in Kansas City is just not the best. Um, I like Benson quite a bit. Uh, I just – 11 home runs and 19 steals in 108 games and you know 128 WRC+. Plus. And keep in mind, too, like Great American Ballpark, I just – I think there's potentially another level with him. He does K a lot, but he walks too. Um, but he's he's one I, I don't mind taking a flyer on. Verdugo is very boring, <laughs> but I wonder – I just wonder a little bit about Yankee Stadium. Yeah. And I thought this was Soto too. You know, It's like obviously Soto's a totally different level than Verdugo, but the Yankees – Add these guys that are left-handed hitters that make contact, and you get these guys in Yankee Stadium. I like. I wouldn't be surprised if Verdugo had like a, you know, popped more homers than anybody's expecting. I don't yep. know what his projection is even at, but um, in Yankee Stadium, like weird things seem to happen with with guys, even when they you you know you think are boring, and then they go there. Like 12, 13, 14 bombs are kind of his projection. And, I think I would probably over that, assuming uh, assuming health and all that. He's you know a decent hitter. Not again, not somebody I'm typically chasing, but I think he can have volume and you know look up at the end of the year and maybe he's a slight value. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, yeah, that lineup is just it's one way. I I think he's probably going to play most of the time, and I just think he's interesting. Um, and yeah, Hay, Hayes, I'm not. I don't know. Like, I'm just not that into – I know Hayes should play too, but that park doesn't help. The lineup's good, but I don't know. He's just – he's even more vanilla to me than 
than Verdugo personally. Um, And yeah, Stanton, man, (laughs) I don't know, man. Like at some point he's got to become a bargain. Is this it? Yeah, I, it could be, but I think I'm just more in the camp of like, he may just be here because his name, you know? Oh, he's here because of his name. <laughs> you know, like just been so bad, like so bad. Frayley, I think, is decent power speed flyer late, but um, yeah, I don't love a ton of these guys. I I think the ones I'm most likely to get from this group are Walner and Benson personally, but I don't mind for Dugo and Fraley, depending on how you've constructed your team. Yeah, just some of my some of my thoughts, I guess, with them. Yep, and I'll add fam in there, like I talked about. Um, Eighty-one through ninety. Little... Where do you think Where do you think fam goes? <sighs> Any idea? Was fam the one that you said you've had? You've got some shares of? Is yeah, that... I've got quite I've, a few I, shares of him. I heard you say, and I but I missed who you meant the name or said as the name. Yeah, I think I've. I mean, I'd have to look it up, but I feel like I've drafted him in quite a few redraft leagues so far. Let's see here. I'm just pulling up the podcast league. Oddly enough, I did not get him in this one, but fam. Tommy fam rostered. I know I have him in the dynasty league, one of my two dynasty leagues, where I'm the one where I'm competing. I took him in the auction draft and hold, and yeah. I took him in the Rotomasters draft and hold. So I guess I've got him three shares so far. So, yeah. All in I don't know. Fam. I have no idea. I don't. I don't know about that. And he's not my favorite human being. I, dude, dude could get into a fight with a tree if he if he was left alone with it. But I don't know where. Did you he see that? Did you see the? Did you see the thing with him at the Super Bowl? Um, did you see that? I think I remember seeing that he was in the crowd. Oh yeah, he left halfway through and was sitting there watching yeah. the game at home. Yeah, that's so perfect was, for him. He was at the game. In like the second quarter or something. And then in the third quarter, he was on his couch at home. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. So uh, random. <laughs> he's a different kind of duck. Uh, outfielders, no, no doubt. 81 through 90 here. So now we're into most of these guys. We're talking reserve round unless you're sneaking them in as an outfielder five. Luke Rayley Jr. with Seattle. We talked about him on the first base pod. Alec Thomas, Brandon Marsh. 333 overall, Alec Kirilov, Alex Kirilov, uh, 341. Pete Crow Armstrong at 358. Ezekiel Duran, who we talked about on the short stop pod. Hunter Renfro. Sedan Raffaella at 368. Lamont, Lamonte Wade Jr. at 372. And Garrett Mitchell, 375. Um, PCA, do you think he'll be on the opening day roster? And if not, when do you think he is? I think it's like close to 50-50. Okay. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm not super confident either way. I think it'll come down some to how he is in spring offensively. Um and if he struggles, he probably isn't, but if he hits in spring, yeah, I think he's I think he's on the opening day roster. Small sample size of 9 events here. But I couldn't help but laugh when I saw his launch angle. Have you, did you notice it by any chance? Do you know it without looking? No. 25.9. No, I... <laughs> Maybe that explains Oh, it. like like 25.9 degrees? Yeah. Launch angle? Yes. 
So like you're not saying like negative, right? No, like no, the, 25. Yeah, like in the air. That's the yeah. biggest number I've ever seen, which again, yeah. small sample, right. but it still made me laugh and made yeah, I was like, well, funny. maybe that explains the K rate a little bit there in that small sample, but he's yeah. a guy who could flirt with a 2020 season with a full year of plate appearances. That's possible with him. Yeah. Yeah, I I've got a lot of PCA um and I'll actually just kind of group Rafaela in here too cuz I like both of these guys and they're obviously, you know, Young, unproven in the majors, but um, I, I personally, especially with Pete Armstrong, it's like once the Cubs make that decision. Now, keep in mind here, we're talking the 85th outfielder off the board. Okay, so it's all it's all cost related. You know, everything is cost related, and I kind of look at it like when I'm taking my fifth, sixth outfielder, I'm okay with taking a gamble. Um, if PCA is good this year, I think that he can be like Michael Harris was, you know, and that's the shot you're taking. Now, do I expect that? Absolutely not. I am not at all saying that he is Michael Harris, but when I'm thinking like perfect world versus like, what's the, how am I going to get screwed by taking PCA here? It's like, I guess if he's just, not in the bigs, which I don't think is going to happen. I mean, he may not start there, but I think he's going to be there the majority of the year because of his defense mostly. But the defense gives him more opportunity, you know, to continue to work through whatever he has to work through at the plate. Um, so, yeah, I, I like him quite a bit. A lot of it's cost-related. It's also tools-related. Like, I think he can contribute, you know, I don't think power is going to be crazy or anything in the first year, but I also think – that when you're taking somebody as the 85th outfielder off the board, it's essentially like if you've got everyday playing time and even like any hint at upside, it's it's worth it here to me. And I just don't think Mike Talkman or whoever is blocking him once they've decided he's ready. He's the best defender in the entire organization, essentially. So, yeah, I think he'll be up pretty quick, if not right away, and – you know what he does from there. We'll see. I'm not like guaranteeing the offensive side of it, but I think he can run a little bit. I think he'll have some pop. And um, yeah, I think he could in a best case scenario, provide a ton of value from here. So I like him. Rafaela, you know, Alex Cora said on Thursday, the team's outfield alignment and roster will make um, the, the makeup of it will hinge on the development of Rafaela. So in other words, he's saying yeah. that if, Rafaela is hitting well enough to hold down a major league spot. He's going to be their everyday center fielder and they're just going to move everybody else around. So they're just checking to see if the bat's there. Now there's a lot of risk with it because he's got a problem with, I think expanding I read and doesn't walk much. So he's got to hit enough because they do have Jaron Duran. They could put out there at center field and be okay with it, but man, it'd be interesting. Yeah. I, I think if Rafaela's, in center Duran's and left. Yes. So I think that's a likely outcome at some point. Um, but yeah, Raphael, I think can move around a little bit too, if he had to, uh, if he was hitting or whatever, but he's probably, yeah, he's probably the center fielder short term. If, um, as long as he's hitting enough. So, yeah, I mean, you look at some of these other ones, it's like, you know, if you get to this spot and you just need like everyday playing time, you could take Brandon Marsh. I think that's fine. Um, I even think Luke Rayleigh is decent. Like, 
some of them, you know, it kind of depends on how you've constructed it. You know, like I'm not, I'm not necessarily t- saying take Wyatt Langford and take Pete Crow Armstrong on the same team and take Rafael on the same team. And then all of a sudden you've got three guys, none of them are up, but just depending on how you've built it before and how you plan on building it after, um, you know, I maybe wouldn't take Langford and Pete Crow Armstrong on the same team, but if I didn't get Langford, maybe I, you know, would not that they're exactly the same player, but you know what I mean? Like just risk tolerance, different parts of the draft, what you've kind of done before. But I mean, these guys, I just, I feel like they could provide huge value. And the other thing to think about, and I was talking to, I think it was Lucas about this, but I just can't, I can't believe that there are people out there that think that these young guys aren't going to play. And like, how many times do we have to, you know, I mean, were people not paying any attention last year? Every single week, there was guys, I'd go on my, and if, you know, my main event team, my OCs to pick up guys. Every week, there's call-ups. Young guys playing, young guys playing, young guys playing. The league is tilting more towards that. And if you're not good enough and you're a major leaguer, it's really easy to be like, Oh yeah, this guy's going to get playing time. Well, what if he just sucks and he doesn't, you know, like, I don't know. I I just don't believe that these young kids aren't going to play. I don't believe it. I'm not saying they'll all be up opening day, but I just refuse to believe that they're not going to play, you know, soon, if not immediately, like they're just getting pushed more and more. And the talent is kind of rising to the top. Don't you agree with that? I mean, just as a general thing, not just, so much with just PCA and Raffaella, but just in general. I was going to push back and say I'm not as certain on Raffaella in terms of when and how much he's going to play this year. I don't know. But, um, yeah, guys like PCA, I'm in complete – like, that guy's not staying down long. He's just – he's he's a real – like, he's the guy they gave up. Oh, wh- who, what did they get – like, who did they – it was from the Mets. Who was it they gave up in that Bobby Bias. Javi Baez, jeez, <laughs> that yeah. worked out well. Yeah, and um, yeah, one thing, one thing to think, and I, I was thinking about this too. When I think about you know the boring veteran versus the, the hotshot kid, don't don't at all take this as a shot, but I'm pretty sure that it was you last year. Do you remember drafting? And correct me if I'm wrong, but do you remember drafting Hunter Dozier in a draft and hold? Oh, I'm sure I did, and guys like that. Okay, I've I, I there was okay. A year. So let me just make a point real quick. And if it wasn't you, it, it's I it's had been too many said, shares of him either a year or two years. It's ago. been said that oh, this guy Hunter Dozier is going to get playing time. Oh, you know he he. That's the one thing is I know Hunter Dozier is going to get playing time, and it's like he's no, getting he playing time until he's replaced, and he's getting replaced because he sucks. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And when you get down to certain points in the draft, like around here or, you know, maybe a little later, you start getting into these fringe guys. It's like so-and-so is going to play, and it's like, well, maybe he won't if he just isn't good enough. And I think that's why in these spots a lot of times I lean towards the young guy that I can at least say I don't feel that he sucks yet. I think he has upside and, you know, obviously you're blending it throughout the draft. Like you don't want to just take all those guys, but when I'm sitting here staring at like, 
don't know who else is who's in this range. Eh, there's nobody in this range exactly that is a player exactly like this. But maybe like Hunter Renfro, I guess is is the best example. But it's like I think Hunter Renfro is an okay power source until he loses playing time, and then and he and he lost it last year, you know. So yeah, I I don't know different ways to look at it. I I think that they're all okay, but. Yeah, I tend to uh, I tend to just shoot more for ceiling here. I I don't feel that the risk is much when you're kind of in this range of the draft. Oh geez, I just looked up because I was like, surely I didn't take Dozier too early because I just went and found. No, I'm not saying too early. No, no, I took him in round 29. That's pretty bad. (laughs) That's pretty bad right there. And again, I'm not even. I'm just more using it to make a point. No, it's a good point. Yeah, of you know when somebody like says, "Oh no, PCA's bad isn't ready." or he's this or he's that, or he's not going to have power. And it's like, okay, well, find me a guy in this range of the draft that can get to being a stud that is ready. Because guess what? Those guys aren't available here. Yep. So, And I, I do feel like I'm constantly looking for that. If you just want to plug in boring PT, that's fine. But just know that there's probably a reason it's that, and you may just lose out on the PT altogether, and then you have absolutely nothing. So... Yeah, just things to think about. I always think about that stuff. Garrett Mitchell, I think he belongs in that same conversation. He was buzzy after a strong finish to the majors in 2022. Had a 311 batting average, two homers, and eight steals in 28 games. And he was having a nice spring training and then messed his shoulder up while sliding into third base, I think, in like the first week of the season. Didn't return till the very end. Um, this year so far, it seems to have he has less buzz around him. And I think that might be Churio signing that extension as Mitchell is now more at risk of not playing every day if he isn't performing. But I kind of like him here as a reserve round bat, too, as a guy to grab who has some upside. Yep, agreed. I think he's – I could clump him in there with the other two that we were talking about. But, yeah, I shine is off some, but I feel like a lot of that was due to injury. And, yeah, I I don't mind Mitchell here at all. I've drafted him. Okay. Anybody else before we move on to the next group? No, I think that's it. I mean, like I said, Marsh should play. Like, I feel the best about Marsh playing, and he did some good things last year, so I don't hate him in this range. Kirilov, I mean, it's mostly about the health. Um, I Part of me just wonders if he's always going to be one of those guys, but, yeah, not too much else. The rest of these guys is pretty self-explanatory. All right, well, we'll go into the next group. we got outfielders 91 through 100, uh, Jake McCarthy, Andrew Benatendi. Uh, these guys are between 376 and 404. So at this point, we're talking the mid to late 20s here in terms of the round for ADP. So we got McCarthy, Benatendi, Jesus Sanchez, Joan, Joan Rojas, uh, Will Urabreu, uh, Chris Taylor, Harrison Bader, Matt Veerling, Mickey Moniak, and Adam Duvall, who's still a free agent. Uh, Gurriel's brought back and Jock Peterson um, has been brought in. And now McCarthy looks like he's back as a fourth outfielder on a bit on the bench here. My, how much has changed in 12 months. This guy was so trendy last spring and it seems clear. Arizona isn't sold on him being an everyday player. Doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I, not to toot my own horn. I definitely missed on plenty last year, but I definitely was, this is what I expected with McCarthy. I was never on that. Yep. I um, remember. Yeah. I just, I mean, you get, you get these players that 
they get shot up because they have like stolen base upside and you know different things that you can dream on. Well, if they're not good or if their main skill is just running, and you know people may wonder like why are you always off those guys? It's like because you have to be a good hitter at some point or you're going to get replaced. It's like temporary satisfaction for like, oh, this guy stole a bunch of bases. Well, okay, why did it happen? Was it an injury or was it this or that? Like sometimes there's reasons, but um, yeah, I've, I've never thought McCarthy was that good of a player. I do think McCarthy is a player that when he gets opportunity can be valuable in fantasy because he runs and, and all those things. But the opportunity has to be there first and foremost. And yeah, here we are, fourth outfielder. Anyone else in this group interest you? I really like Jesus Sanchez really? in this spot. Tell me about it. Yeah. Him. I've draft I've drafted him. I think I've got I've definitely got multiple shares of him. Um barrel rate's good, hard hit rate's good. Uh, XBA was actually 269, which I don't think anybody would have predicted there. Max EVs are always high. Walk rate, 9.5%. Um, I do think he's likely to platoon, but he's still 26. The team, like with the Marlins, they don't. I don't feel like they have enough good hitters to just not play Jesus Sanchez, really. I mean, there's no guarantees. But he's at least like the right side of the platoon, being that he's left-handed, and hits righties well enough that I feel like he should get opportunity. And like I still think you can dream on like twenty-five bombs, maybe more. Um, it's it's kind of it's kind of almost like a Matt Walner thing, really. I mean, just hits the ball hard enough, and yeah, I I think there should be playing time. I like his power potential. Needs to so, elevate yeah. the ball a little more. That's really the only like the, looking at his profile, and I don't. I think I glossed over him when I was writing these notes down. But just get that launch angle back up a little bit because he he did level his swing out this last year. But yeah, if he can get that. Yeah, up, and he's and he's young enough that I just I think that you can still dream on a little bit of upside there too. I mean, he was he was very trendy last year, and he was just going way higher than this. I don't want to overstate it. Like I said, he's a platoon player. Um, not likely to play against lefties, but I just think he has some juice that a lot of guys in this range don't have. So I definitely like him. And I think that the playing time should be there at least in like the first half. And if he's good enough against righties, then maybe the whole year. So, yeah, I'm he's, he's my favorite of the group. I mean, the other ones I've taken Taylor because of the multi-position mostly the only reason but man he's um, getting squeezed out with them just kept with the dodgers bringing in a new person every week there for a while it seemed like yeah yeah he's squeezed he's a bench role now it looks like right mostly yeah i'm sure he'll still find his way in at yes. times but yeah i'm sure they will yeah um Abreu, like Abreu had a nice run in boston in the year hit 24 homers between triple a and mlb in 114 games but you know, the Red Sox could also sign someone or push him to a bench roll real easy. Ben Attendee had 14 barrels in 477 events. That would be a 2.9% barrel rate. And wow, I just remember this guy being a number one prospect when I was starting Dynasty Leagues like seven, eight years ago. Duvall, 
you know, if he's, he could sign somewhere and be a little interesting, have some pop, but I mean, he also played his way out of a role in Boston at the end of the year. So no guarantee on that. Actually looking at Duvall's price, that's probably right about where I took Hunter Dozier last year. So, yeah, yeah I, I could be, I could see, uh, I could see Moniac being a little interesting just cause I think he'll, he'll probably play against righties teams bad and, he did some okay things too, so I don't mind. Anytime you can, anytime there's like a hint of upside, where the guy's young enough and you can kind of project some playing time, I don't mind. Like in this range, it's like that's enough for me, you know, because you can't be too picky. Like when you're when you're getting down here, it's like okay, if I can see a couple things that I like, I'm usually good with it. So, number one pick overall in 2016, Mickey Monia. Yeah, man. Yeah. All right, and uh, he's only, he's what twenty? Yeah, he's twenty five. So, rest of the outfielders through pick four fifty. So these are the last of the guys that have an ADP in the twenties. Here we got. So this is between four oh seven and four forty seven. Outfielders one oh one to one fourteen. Mitch Haniger, uh, Ryan O'Hearn, Michael Conforto, Hunter Goodman, Brenton Doyle, Drew Waters, uh, Zach McKinstry, Mark Canna, Nixon Zale. Uh, we talked about him on third base pod. Uh, Blackman, Charlie Blackman, Edward Oliveras, Jason Dominguez, Jark Peterson, and Ramon Laureano. Uh, Goodman or Brenton Doyle both have pretty much the same ADP as Colorado outfielders. Both are in stole- starting roles right now on roster resource. Uh, which one do I like more? You mean? Yeah. I'd probably go Doyle just because I feel like I can get some more steals out of him. Can we stop a little higher up, a little higher upside? Can we stop and take just a moment about and acknowledge how embarrassingly bad this organization is? Their pitching's atrocious as usual. Now their lineup isn't that good either. I mean, these are guys that, um, you know, I, it just feels weird knowing that these two guys are the type of guys where they're throwing out there these days. I don't know if I buy into either as hitters, but their situation has them in starting roles, so I don't hate the price for either. yeah. But um, yeah, I think I think with them, it's OK. And I'll even I'll throw Blackman in there, too. I actually like Blackman or of this group. Blackman's one of my favorites, but it's mostly just on like the half weeks in cores. You can you can start that guy. You know what I mean? And you may be at that point, too, with Goodman, Doyle or anybody that's playing for the Rockies. I know they're bad, but like somebody's got to play and um i think that's why i like blackman i'm just the most sure that he'll play of mm-hmm. yes. of these guys but um they're obviously not great you're just like it's kind of like plugging holes and stuff during the year yep. you know if they've got if blackman's facing three righties and they're in cores i'm starting him like over i'm starting him over some guys that i normally have in my lineup probably you know so yeah i i think when you get down here you can think more about those things i also like jock um, just because again, if, if they're facing three righties on yep. a weekend, I want him in, you know? Um, but yeah, it's some of the other guys here. I think it's going to be trickier to know exactly when to play them. And I, I've been taking Blackman and Jock some just, just with that in mind, you know, I'm always kind of looking at them in this range of the draft. Are you taking Jason Dominguez and draft and holds? Um, you know? going to be out for a good chunk of the year with tommy john no i'm not i i think there will be a point this season where everybody will want dominguez i do think it'll come but i don't know when it'll be and i'd rather just like 
In a fab league, it's a no because there's just nothing to do. Like you're not holding him until he comes off the IL. If you have IL spots, maybe like at the end, but it's going to be a long wait. Um, and then in a draft and hold, kind of what I've said before about I'm not trying to find injuries. Like I don't want to get to a point. Like let's say you get into July or whenever he's going to come back and he has a setback. It could end up being most of the season. And then also, too, it could be July, but then he's just not like great when he right when he comes back. So it's multiple things. I, I love Jason Dominguez long term. I think he's going to be a stud. Like I'm I'm as high on him as you can really be in yep. a long term setting. But this season, I don't care. Like I'm just not I'm not really interested in him. And but I do think that like August could come and in like a fab league where like an NFBC, I fully expect this, by the way. NFBC main event, July, August rolls around, and he's a hot ad because he's coming back and um nobody's gonna hold him for that long, you know. But somebody may jump the gun and pick him up like a month before he's going to come back or whatever. But if it was one where you couldn't pick him up until he's back, which some of them actually may be that way. I'd have to check. Cause if they're not on the opening uh, roster, I think, and, and they're not drafted, they may be in fab pools and yeah, he'll be a big one to bid on at that point, but it's just too hard to know when it's going to be right now. You, you touched on the point. Bryce Harper came back and his power was not back in his first couple months. And then Trevor yeah. Story never it really never came back, and I I like both of them for this year, but I, I just think it takes some time to where yeah I'm yeah. not really too interested in him just because of I think it's going to be slow and you know he's still pretty young also he wasn't he's not the hitter those two guys were yet yeah ideally if I could draw this up perfectly for 2025 redraft Jason Dominguez comes <laughs> back. Sucks. Jason Jason Dominguez comes back in like late August and doesn't have that much time and kind of struggles, doesn't really like crush it, uh, but just proves that he's healthy enough. Maybe like in the last week he's showing some health and then has the whole offseason to recover. I'll be I'll be clicking his name in 2025. I can tell you that. Here's what I envision. Him coming back, playing for a month or two, not really being great until like the last couple weeks of the season, and then in, and then the Yankees make the playoffs, and on October he's like Mister Superstar, and is he's getting Brandon <laughs> fodded his way up the ADP. That's yeah, yeah, that could definitely happen. I more just meant like the ideal scenario yes, if, yes. You wanna, if you want to if you want to take him <laughs> because if it's quiet enough, I could think he could just be a huge value next year. But Agreed. yeah, it's it may not, it probably won't go you know exactly where you hope so. Anyone else from this group you want to highlight? Um, not, no, not really. Like I said, with Jock, I like, you know, anytime he's facing a righty, I don't mind him. Um, yeah, kind of a mixed bag here, but nothing, nothing that really stands out to me. All right. So outfielders 450 to 500. I'm just going to quickly shoot through these. Kevin Biggio, Seth Brown, Eddie Rosario, Jiwon Bay, Victor Scott. Uh, Mauricio Dubon, uh, Joey Weimer, Mike Yastrzemski, Luis Maitos, Blake Sable, and uh, Stone Garrett. Uh, Victor Scott, you know, that guy has game-changing possible speed upside. Have you been grabbing him at all? 
I haven't. Uh, I would, though. Yeah, I think that um, especially if you feel like you need a stash, like with a guy that just can really hit the home run for you in steals, I def- I don't mind it. Um, I haven't gotten him yet, but I probably will end the se- end the offseason with a share or two if I had to guess. Yeah, he, you know, you had you were taking Asturi Ruiz a couple. Uh, I, was that last year? You had Ruiz, or was that the year before? I'm losing track. Where I, I think I had him in one league last year, maybe. Yeah, him and you know, um, oh my gosh, now I'm blanking on the guy's name, the infielder for the um, Mondesi. Yeah, that one too, Baltimore. The guy, oh Mateo, Mateo, Mateo yeah, Mateo. he's definitely could be one of those type of guys to pop up except he i think he's a better player than all those guys and yeah yeah i think this guy could be an absolute superstar i don't know if his opportunity will come this year but if he gets a chance i think he could be very dynamic um louis yeah i think he's he's one scott victor scott's one where the defense and center and when i say defense and center or shortstop I say that because it's like so valuable in real life. Like if you have a stud defensive player up the middle, it just creates so much leeway with the bat. It's like Victor Scott doesn't even have to be hitting really well. Pete Armstrong, you know, same idea. But if, if they, once they make that decision, they may just love him defensively so much. He just keeps getting shots and there's value in just, a starting outfielder with a lot of rope, you know, and yeah, he could definitely be that. I, I think he's a solid pick here, especially if you need that kind of like jolted into your team, you know, I'll be curious to see if he's one where I tell you what, if Victor Scott, if it got to, if it got to spring and somehow he was, there was like an injury and he was going to make the team and like he was playing well. Oh my God. How high would he shoot? He would blow I mean. God, like tenth, eleventh, twelfth round, thirteenth, yeah. maybe not, maybe not quite that high, but it would be high, I think, for sure. It would. <laughs> it's crazy to think about, but yeah, I just thought of it. You know, Luis Matos, he's another like one in this group that's just been all over the news. I mean, we saw pictures of him, and he just put some. He put on a lot of weight, and then there were reports about it, you know a week ago that he was penciled in as a starting left fielder, but then they signed Jorge Soler as an outfielder or as a DH. Like, so that I think has squeezed him out of that spot that they were thinking he might have. Um, I just I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to make of Matos at this point for this year. Do you have any thoughts on him? Not really. Uh, short term, I. I don't really see it. Those pictures were bad. And um <laughs> it looked like he ate Louis. But not only but not only that, just add that to them getting Lee and Soler. And I don't know, I just don't really see a spot. Like the only the only way I really see a spot is if he was crushing it or more likely there was an injury and then you know, obviously when there's injuries, guys get moved up and stuff. And if he's playing well, maybe at that point. But I don't see it early on with this team right now. And I don't blame the Giants. I mean, the guy had a total of four barrels in 200 events basically last year. 2% barrel rate. I he, yeah. He's young, he's small, and I think he's going to be a good player, but I just think it might take a little time with him. 
Anybody else you want to highlight on this group? Uh, Biggio, I've been drafting some, a lot to do with the eligibility. I really like in the draft and holds, like getting guys that I know I can plug in at multiple spots. He walks a lot and he's got an everyday job, at least right now, or at least a starting job, you know, most days. Um, and anytime it's like reserve rounds, I'm good with that. It's first base, second base outfield. So don't expect anything crazy, but yeah, I, I don't mind him as like a guy I can kind of use all over, fill in for injuries and stuff like that. Ideally with a guy like that, you don't want to have to use him, but sometimes you have to use him. So I don't mind it, especially when I can put him in a ton of different spots. Um, see any of these other guys i've drafted not really yastrzemski and garrett uh stone garrett i think they both should play some so i don't i don't mind them too much but not a lot of upside just you know likely playing time but again it's risky when you're down here assuming that too so Mm -hmm. very much so um Let's go into the outfielders in the 500s then. I'm not going to list these guys off, but, you know, three outfielders that are in this 500 range that I thought I'd just um, ask which one gets the most at-bats this year. That'd be Joe Adele, Colton Kowser, and Dylan Cruz. Who would you pick of those three? I would take Adele for just this year for at-bats. The Angels? I mean, surely the Angels will do it this year. Surely, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I I mean, he could be third of the three too, but I mean, it just makes a ton of sense. Whatever you think of Adele, it just makes sense for him to get that shot. But I mean, that said, they don't they don't even have they don't have him in the nope the lineup right now. I mean, they they show him as a platoon with uh, Mickey Moniak in a platoon with him. So we'll see. I mean, I don't think that too much on that team is locked in necessarily. So if he's playing well, you know, maybe it's more likely. But I don't know. It's just kind of like put up or shut up time with Adele. You know, it's like it. I think that with the Angels in the state that they are, we expect them to not be very good. They should just throw them out there. Just let it happen. Yes, they should. What? And whatever happens, happens. But th- there's not going to be a better time to find all of that out than this season. It's just just let him play. And if he's going to be a bust, then just let it happen on the field in the majors. You know what I mean? Well, the owner wants to go forth this year. So they, he, he, might, he might get some playing time in August <laughs> once he finally realizes it's not working out. I actually am going to say yeah. Dylan Cruz. I just have a feeling like Dylan Cruz, his buzz – dropped and most of it's because of what Wyatt Langford did but I mean he had he had some bumps along the way once he got to I don't remember if it was high a or double a wherever it was I think it was double a but I think he's just gonna blow up dominate this year and I'm gonna say they can't keep him pat down past June and he's somehow by the end of June working his way in the major leagues so I'm gonna say Dylan Cruz but I might be wishful thinking here yeah, if that's if that's the case, that's he's uh he's gonna be a great pick. Um it is kind of tricky with some of these prospects. Yep. Like a lot of especially when you get down here, um a lot of what you're kind of guessing on is just playing time. Like it's very hard, you know, like in this group we've got Dylan Cruz, we've got Colton Kowser, like you mentioned. 
um, James Wood, Chase DeLauder. And, you know, if, if you were saying to me, like, who's the best this season, the only question to me that there really is to ask is who's getting the most at bats. Yeah. And that, and that's like a real huge guess because how many times is it like the season play out? You know, it's like April, May, and then we randomly see so-and-so is getting called up and you had no idea. It's like, Oh my God, it's shock, you know? And then one of the, it could be one of those guys I just named. And then the other one, it could be like September. So the difference in their value is truly just comes down to a lot of the time. It just comes down to the decision to call them up, which is very, very hard to predict. So, yeah, that's going to be my answer. In most cases, it just, you know, if Dylan Cruz and Joe Adele are getting the same amount of at-bats this year, I mean, I would take Dylan Cruz. But, yeah, it's, it's hard to guess that stuff. It's hard to know. I've only taken Cruz once, and I think it was in like round 46 or something like that, where I thought he fell really far. And that's part of it. You just don't know, and I'd rather just take the one that falls. Or if none of them fall, that's okay. Um, Are you in drafting holds? Are you drafting James Wood or Chase DeLauder? I remember asking you about DeLauder on the AL Central podcast, and I think you said no at that point. Has your mind changed on either one of them? Uh, they're probably not the guys that I'm taking the shot on because I'm just taking shots on different guys, but I don't, I don't mind if like, that's your guy to take a shot on personally. I mean, either one of them could have a ton of power and you know, all of that. It it really, again, it just comes down to when they're going to be up. I feel like you're playing a guessing game, but if you aren't taking any risk earlier and you, or say you get to the point you haven't really taken a prospect, especially in like an outfield prospect, you get to this point. I mean, James Wood and Chase DeLauder are both awesome prospects, so I don't blame anybody for taking them if if that's their way. You know, I don't think it's exactly what I would do because I'm just taking different guys, but I don't mind it either. So anybody How about else? you? What? Are you you taking them? No, either one neither of one of them. I'm not. I'm, they're not. They're not really my guys. I. That I think at the end, I think I'm shooting on different ones. I haven't, I've yeah. let them go. Uh, yeah, that's the thing is you can't, it, you can't really take like all of these guys. I mean, when I say that I like certain ones, you know, it's, it's, I'm not saying I'm taking all of them on the same team. It's just different targets, but. Yep. Uh, Myers, he, that's a guy who I think the Astros are saying they're penciling him as a starting center fielder. So there could be some playing time there. I, I think he's kind of interesting. Is there anybody else from this group that, or Myers? that is interesting to you um interesting not really i've drafted hayward on a couple teams and it's mostly because i thought he you know he improved a little bit last year and i think he's likely to play and he's probably one of those guys that i'm putting in if like pca or rafaela or whoever else i take isn't in the lineup you know like if if he's my fifth outfielder and he's playing all the time, it's like, whatever. Obviously, I don't want him in there for that long, but um, sometimes you have to have like backfill with less talented guys, and I think he's okay for that. But not, not. Uh, I wouldn't put him in the interesting category, you know. But yeah, yeah. Just, maybe just I should say who you grabbing. Yeah, just backfilling with um, some guys I think can play. Um, 
yeah, there's there's definitely a mix here too of just guys that are a little more likely to play and prospects and you know less talented players. So not a whole lot of guys that huge interest. But I tell you, if any of those younger guys get called up, they're going to be huge ads. Like they're going to go for a lot. And yes, they will. You know, Delauder, Wood, uh, Cruz, Hauser. Especially those guys. I think it's those worth taking the stab and trying to grab looking at. one or two of those guys. Maybe you just can't grab too many of them. Yeah. Uh, what about after pick six hundred? I'm not. I got like who after six hundred here as as some in game guys. Have you been grabbing? Man, I'm looking at this, it's and the, the only the only thing that I and I've. I've said this on previous podcasts, I think, but usually at the very end, I'm taking like all pitchers. Like that's just how, when I'm in a draft and hold, I typically like a normal draft and hold, I would say in the last 15 rounds, I'm probably taking five bats and at least one of those five is a catcher, like a, just a catcher that I would plug in. You know, I'm really just – I'm not targeting these bats. I'm just not. I feel like most of them are pipe dream prospects that are unlikely to even get called up or guys that just aren't good enough, I mean, to really count on. Like Talkman, I guess, you know, is a semi-decent handcuff if you, like, take PCA – um, there's maybe a couple other ones like that in here, but most of the time I'm taking pitchers. I'm just taking flyers on arms and I've got enough bats. I, I kind of know my split and I tend to, at the very end, I'm always, I feel like I'm finding pitching way further down that I'm like, okay, I could, I like them more. And the hit rate on those late pitchers, I, I feel like it's just way higher than, than some of these bats. It's amazing. Isn't it amazing how fast Avisel Garcia fell out of like oh my god! I'm trying to remember that guy was when... that guy just not that long ago was going in like the twelfth round of drafts and yeah. he's like a complete afterthought. Wasn't that... I've thought a little bit about it because I'm like, man, could that come back? I I don't oh, really know geez. if I see it, but man, is that a far fall? Like he has fallen so far. 2021, he was 30 years old and he hit 262 with 29 homers, eight steals. Yep. 86 RBI and 68 runs. And they've yep. been gone, pretty much gone since. Wow. That yeah, wasn't false. It's, it's nuts how fast. Now, it's not I like mean, he was this peak player for long. I mean, that was his career year. and But even before that, he was, you know, in the high teens and homers and, you know, pretty decent hitter. Man. Yeah, and it's not like he's on a team where they have all these bats either. I mean, I could kind of squint and see a comeback with him a little bit, but. I haven't drafted him. I mean, I've seen him go though, like in the fiftieth round. It's just bananas. But I think, Joe, yeah, not not a ton here. I don't think, and especially in OBP leagues, Joey Gallo. Don't let him slip. Like he's one of those that if you're if you're in an OBP league, don't or you know he's worth grabbing because that OBP is not going to be near as bad as the batting average. I mean, he's not going to be the three forty on base guy that he used to be. But or I wouldn't expect that. But you know he might be three hundred and hit hit twenty third twenty home runs, twenty plus in a partial season for the Nats. I could see that. 
So that's one name. I don't have many others either. I haven't drafted many of these guys. I've, I don't know if I would draft him. I haven't yet, but I do like, I'm curious about Blake Dunn and hit 28 homers and 55 stolen bases. I think those were his totals in the minor leagues last year. The Reds have a lot of players though. And, but if, if he goes out and repeats what he did this last year, I think there will be a shot this year at some point where he gets a shot, but I mean, he's also an old prospect. I you just don't know with him. But. Yeah. Yeah. Some, some of the young guys down here, just to fire off some names that I think could be relevant, like in the summertime, uh, Drew Gilbert mm-hmm. is one. Um, I think he could be up like mid to late season. I think he's a good uh, Joey, Joey Loperfito. I could see if uh, if Houston has any injuries to their outfield or like second base, I think he could move around a little bit and has some power and speed. I think he's interesting, like short term. Don't think he's like a stud prospect, but I know we've talked about him. I think I think he could have some value this season. Um, you know, Gilbert. Looking, sorry, looking I deeper here. Gilbert yeah, might no, be feel a good free one to, to grab, especially if you've drafted Starling Marte. It's not a bad guy to just grab there late. Yeah, because if Marte's dealing with a lot of health issues, that's probably an easier way for Gilbert to get his way up quicker. I th- yeah, definitely. I like definitely. that idea. Um, yeah, a lot of these guys, I guess, are pretty gross. Or I don't think they're going to be up. Like Roman Anthony's obviously a stud yep. prospect, but I, I don't really see it. Uh, but I tell you, like, I if I could count how many times <laughs> I, I haven't been able to see it, and then all of a sudden they're getting called up, it's – it's wild. Like I wouldn't put it past, and that's why I was what, saying what I was saying about. There's just a lot of these young, talented players that are on this accelerated track, and we don't even know it. You know, we're just using all the rules we've had forever, but they're coming up faster and faster and faster. I feel like, and like I said, I mean. One of these days, we're just going to wake up and Ethan Salas is going to be up. It's just like the impossible, you know? Like, but yeah, it's just, I don't, nothing would shock me too much with high end prospects that are like, oh, don't, don't think you're like completely sure on some of these timelines because they can surprise you. A lot of prospects made their way to double A at the end of last year. And I think those guys, like, it's going to be fun this summer because these guys are going at the end of the summer. They're either going to be debuting and they're going to be right on the doorstep to the majors. I think that yeah. there could like I think next year could be a really exciting year for a lot of guys to debut, and some of them might get up this year and beat that timeline. But yeah, I, there's a lot of fun outfielders that are really close right now or getting close. Uh, let's wrap this up. Outfielders that you're going to have most shares of this year, you think? Oh man, it's I could list a lot of them here. Um, I will say a Rosarena. I'll just go from the top down. A Rosarena, Reynolds, just guys I'm typically targeting. I'm not going to get these guys on all teams, but uh, Seiya Suzuki, Tiosker, Ian Happ, Soler, Langford, Nimmo. Um, kind of like Marte and Tyler O'Neill in that range we were talking. Sawinski, I've drafted. 
I could see drafting again. Siri, uh, Benson, Walner, Pete Armstrong, Rafaela, Garrett Mitchell, Jesus Sanchez, Uh, Blackman, Jock, and that's yeah, that's most of them. I think that's a good. I may list. have missed one or may have missed one or two, but that's most of them. You put a lot more effort than I did. I wrote four names: Langford, Springer, Fam, MJ, Melendez. Those are the four I think I'll have the most shares. Springer, of. Springer's a good one too. Yeah, uh, outfielders you're staying away from this year. Um, Acuna? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that may not be your. I'm staying, staying away because I never get him. Yeah, I never get the first pick. <laughs> God, it's, you have no idea. It's driving me nuts. I'm gonna just throw a party the day I draw one one. Um, you can go first. Let me let me kind of digest this here. I didn't I didn't write them down. So Luis Robert, Aaron Judge, Jordan Alvarez. Trout, Estuary Ruiz. Those are the big ones. I just going from the guys that are near the top. I guess those are all top 150 players, and actually four of the five are top 75 players there that I just don't think I'm going to have shares of. And you'll see. I mean, the theme is four guys who I just don't trust to stay healthy, and Estuary Ruiz, who's the who's the third of the three little bears. <laughs> that was my favorite, by the way. Um, I will say. Yeah, judge. I don't think I'm going to get judge, just just the way I know that the board will fall and I, there's like pivots there and I like other guys that I like other positions. I just I don't think I'll get judge at all. Um, Lane Thomas is definitely one. Estuary Ruiz, obvious, and Friedel. And that's that's pretty much it. I mean, like with guys that I'm not gonna tell oh, Quan. I mean, I'm not gonna take Quan, but I I don't the the I'm not gonna take Quan. But like I said, the draft the draft cost is at least a lot lower than it was last season. That's why I'm not as like totally totally against it, you know. And some of the guys that I really really don't like this year that I've mentioned in like previous podcasts, Nico Horner, like specific one. You know, when when he drops next season, if he does what I think, I won't be as loud about him next season. You know, it's it's all related to cost, all of it. Like you could go all day and be like, I like this guy or I don't like that guy. But if I see ceiling with guys way, way, way down the board, I'm going to like them. And if they're going really high and I feel like it's just a free fall from there, I'm not going to like them. So that's why I haven't been as vocal about Quan, but I'm still not going to draft him. Yeah, it's all about price. So, yeah, those are those are most of mine, I think. As it gets further down, I'm just less likely to be like, oh, I absolutely won't take that guy because it does depend some on how you've built your team and what you need and kind of the pockets of players and stuff like that. We have definitely hit a new record for the longest we've ever spent talking about outfielders. If you take the what we've done between the three podcasts of on outfielders that we've done we've hit almost four hours of outfield talk andrew i don't think you know that yet yeah but <laughs> yeah about it's yeah it is it's close to four it's right there so we're done we're done with hitters and i think we're talking actually i'm not even going to talk about because i don't know if we've officially decided i think we might be getting 
like there's a good chance we might go off the position rankings for a bit and then come back on pitchers here in a little bit, but we'll just see. I don't want to put put it out there yet until we've officially decided, but we might have a we couple. We've got to do closers too. Yes, yeah, starting pitchers and closers. We've got, a couple, we've got time for that. I kind of want to wait until we've got a little bit of spring training and seeing health and all that stuff before we go too far into it, especially with closers where things just change so much. So... We might do a yeah. Couple... What we what we would have said a month ago about Ryan Presley sure has changed, huh? Jeez. Oh, yep. Him yeah. and uh, um. No, yeah, that's the big one. So that's the big one. Yeah. Yep. So, anyways, we're gonna get out of here. We're gonna go rest because we've been talking about outfielders for too long now. <laughs> and yep. Sure has. Thank you all for listening. I hope you guys have enjoyed this along with all the other position previews, and we'll be back again here in a few days. Until then, take care, everybody. Yeah, take care, guys. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. And once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year. 